father we pray and ask that you open the eyes of understanding flooded with light lord flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of jesus christ give to us spiritual wisdom which is the revelation and the knowledge of you we thank you lord for bringing us to growth and maturity in jesus name amen all right please be seated hallelujah thank you holy spirit thank you lord thank you lord oh thank you jesus you know i've been singing this song since yesterday so when i heard you leading the song it's like you're really in the spirit you know Worship is not about singing your favorite songs. Sometimes you you see Christians respond to worship songs when it when they love the song. So when we are in worship or when we are singing worship songs, you see the believers standing there doing nothing. They lift up a song that she or he likes. Then it goes this way. No, no. We are worshipping you now. But I'm telling you. That's self-worship. Because the worship is directed towards you. What you like is what you respond to. That we are worshipping you. Praise God. If you know that the worship songs are to the one who made you who you are irrespective of where you are where you stand you give it all to him praise God are you ready for the word what a glory so you get your notebooks and your diaries ready in LGCC anytime you're coming for service you come with your notebook you come with your diary Praise God. You come with your notebook, you come with your diary, and possibly your Bible as well. Hallelujah. All right, so we are continuing on our teaching on the five kinds of obedience. Now, we began a series about seven months now, almost seven months now, on the five kinds of obedience, and it's been an exciting journey. We've been teaching. On the five kinds of obedience we said in the new testament as you read you're going to discover about five main kinds of obedience we said the first kind of obedience is called the obedience of christ which is what jesus christ did in obedience to god on our behalf we did not contribute to this obedience and we cannot do anything about this obedience than to receive it romans chapter 5 the verse 19 the bible says for through the disobedience of one man many were made sinners so also through the obedience of one man many were made righteous so the obedience of christ is what jesus christ did in obedience to god which was culminated on the cross which could make salvation possible we could make faith possible which could make forgiveness and redemption possible 
Then we went on to say there's a second kind of obedience called the obedience of what? Obedience of what? I want to hear you speaking. Obedience of? Faith. Obedience of faith. We said obedience of faith is our response to the obedience of Christ. When we believe in what Jesus Christ did for us, we have become obedient to the faith. Praise God. Our faith or our belief in what Jesus did, you know, faith is the noun. Belief is the verb. Praise God. When we believe in what Jesus Christ did, we become obedient to the faith. It is in this faith, which is called obedience, that makes us born again. So a man that has believed Jesus has obeyed God. Praise God. Then we said there is a further need for obedience called the obedience of what? The Spirit. Which is our response to the promptings of the Holy Spirit day by day as we walk with God. Then with the fourth kind of obedience or the obedience of what? The Word of God. Praise God. Which is our deliberate, conscious acting upon God's word irrespective of how we feel. Irrespective of popular opinion. Irrespective of what we think about it. We respond to God's word. Praise God. Then we came to the final kind of obedience which we are still on called the obedience of what? Spiritual authority. And this is very key as well. We said, first of all, that there are about four main kinds of authority outlined in the scriptures. The first kind was called, it's called what? National or governmental or civil authority, which is authority of the government. The Bible tells us to be submissive and obedient to the authority called government. Praise God. So obey, obeying governmental authority is scriptural. You are, you are actually obeying God's word when you obey the government. Number two is home authority, which is the authority of the husband, who is the head of the wife. Number three is parental authority. I was his children obey your parents in the law, for this is right. That's parental authority. It's authority of a parent over the house. Praise God. Sorry, over the children. Then the third one is called spiritual authority. That's where we took it from. We said spiritual authority has most of the time been abused in the church and most often has been misunderstood by the church. You know, many people think that spiritual authority is not necessary. As a church, we are family, so there's no need for spiritual authority. That's why we miss this whole thing. So we have many Christians who struggle to submit to the authority of the church, which is problematic, and it's because many don't understand spiritual authority. You go to the airport, and you're going to travel. They tell you to bring your passport. You obey. When we are going through, they ask you to take off your belt. When I was going to India, they said, take off your belt. I took it off. I didn't say I'm a pastor. I took off my belt. I said, take off your shoes and your socks. I took it off. And I went to stand on the scale. They checked and scanned everything. I obeyed. Praise God. But unfortunately, Christians don't want to obey spiritual authority. Surprisingly, we obey authority in government, authority in uh, the, our offices, but not church authority. 
but of course we said it's because people have not understood you see a believer obeying the laws of the traffic light when nobody is telling him it is red move so you see it's, it's problematic because people have not understood it when you understand it you will enjoy doing it it becomes it comes from a place of revelation and i've always been stressing that whatever is not done in a revelation will be done in stress whatever you don't have a revelation about you will do it in stress praise god whatever you don't have a revelation about will be done under stress and this is a very serious thing in giving if you don't have revelation giving will become stress in being a church worker if you don't have revelation waiting for extra uh, teaching services will become stress whatever activity you do without revelation it becomes stress praise god if you are not used to long teaching and you don't understand the basis for teaching long if it's after 30 minutes you, you, your mind will be stressed you need revelation praise god we explained that first of all before we understand spiritual authority we have to understand the church which is very key we need to understand the church because without having a revelation of the church we will not see the basis for the need of spiritual authority we have explained that the word church is from the Greek word ecclesia, which is from two Greek words, ek and kalio. The word ek means what? Out or from. The word kalio means to call or to draw near or to invite. So we said the word ecclesia means to call a called out assembly, to call out or to draw out or to draw near. It also means a company of believers, an assembly of believers, a community of saints, but we said this definition is limited because it describes perfectly the Old Testament church that was brought out of Egypt. But the real meaning of the church cannot be defined by Greek and Hebrew. The real meaning of the church is defined in the epistles. You will find the real meaning of the church in the epistles. We said, number one, the church is the family of God. The church is the family of God. Remember, Jesus Christ came, Jesus is God. He's God, but he came as a son. Why did Jesus come as a son? He came as a son so that God can have many sons. For, for Jesus to come as a son, God had to become a father. Why? Because God wanted a family. So the church in God's eyes is a family. We are not just a gathering of people. When we lose sight of this reality, a lot of things is going to happen. The church is not a gathering of people. The church is a body of sons of God. It's a family. In Ephesians 3.14, he says, I bow my knees to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family in heaven and earth is named. So it's a family. Praise God. Say, I'm a family. Say, I'm a family. So the church is a family. And a family is a place where love and care is shared. I told you what you will not do to your physical siblings, you don't do to uh, 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 the, uh, the spiritual siblings that you have in Christ because they are your real siblings. I told you if your physical sister or brother is not born again, you will never see him or her again. But your spiritual siblings are those you will ever see in your life, even now and in eternity. So you treat them with value and respect. You don't betray family. Families don't betray family. You don't betray church members. So they are beyond members. They are a family. Say, I'm a family. I'm a family. 
and you are my family number two we said the church is the body of christ the church is the body of christ in ephesians 1 22, he says he gave all things okay let's read it he says and he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things to the church he described the church in the next verse he says which is his body so the church is the body of christ we said in divinity jesus is complete on his own but in functionality jesus is incomplete without the church in function christ is incomplete without the church the church is the body of christ christ is the head of the body he's the head of the church so jesus is the head the church is the body so this describes our union with christ we are part of him we are members of his body we are not members of a church we are members of his body are you following this so we are we are the body of christ so anybody sitting beside you who is born again is the body of Christ. Praise God. Number three, we also said the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. If you read Ephesians 5 from the verse 23 downwards, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, the church is the wife of Christ. It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the savior of the body. Praise God. So we are, we are Christ's bride. And I told you that there's a way you treat the bride of Christ. You don't treat the bride of Christ anyhow. You don't talk against the bride of Christ. You don't speak against the bride of Christ. You don't look down upon the bride of Christ. Because your husband is very particular about them. Praise God. Then now we came to the divine realities of the church. We said, number one, the church belongs to Christ. The church does not belong to a pastor. The church does not belong to any member. The church does not belong to anyone. Jesus said in Matthew 16, from, from 13 downwards, he says, I will build my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. So the church belongs to Christ. Verse 18, look, he says that is. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. So the church belongs to Jesus. It is his church. Praise God. Number two, we said the church is not a physical building. The church is a spiritual building. The church is not a physical building. So the church is not where you are in. No. The church is a spiritual building. It's a spiritual house. 1 Timothy 3.15 The church is a spiritual house. He says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So the pillars and the grounds is not what you are seeing. That's not the church. Praise God. The pillar and the ground of truth is the house of God, which is the church of God. So you must look beyond church being a building. The church is a spiritual building. If you read 1 Corinthians 3, the verse 11, the Bible says we are God's building. He says, for other foundation, come to the verse 10 first. He says, according to the grace of God, come to the verse 9. He says, for ye are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. So God's building is not this. God's building is this. And I told you, we are individually the church of God, which is the temple of God, and we are mystically building bricks. 
individually we are God's temple. When we meet collectively like this, we are bricks put together for a house for God to inhabit. Praise God. So your absence in church is actually an absence of a brick. Glory. Number two, we, number three, we said the church focuses, the New Testament focuses on the church from three dimensions. We said number one, we have the individual believer as a church. The individual believer as a church. Number two, we have the local church. And we said the local church is a body of believers in a particular locality, location, or place where they belong. Praise God. Then we said we have the universal church. Now these are three vital realities you must understand. The believer individually is a church. We have the local church. LGCC is a local church. It's a body of believers in a particular locality. We are in Medina. This is the local church, LGCC. Even if the church is filled with 100,000 people, it's still a local church. So the local there does not mean local as in small. No. If it's in a locality, it's a local church. Praise God. Then we have the universal church, which means all churches put together, we, 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 we form the universal church. Irrespective of doctrines, denominations, and whatever, we form the church of God. Praise God. Now, we go to a very important place knowing the role of the church. We are teaching on obedience to spiritual authority. We, we got to the role of the church. That's what we got to last week. We are continuing from there. The role of the church. We said number one, the role of the local church. Not the general church. The role of the local church, which is very key. Every believer must belong to a local church. Praise God. And there's a reason why God ordained everyone to be under a local church. You'd be surprised that even Peter, who was the pillar of the church, submitted the book of Acts to a local church. He was still going for church services. And he was not the head. When you read the, the book of Acts carefully, you, 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 you understand the place of submission and the local church. The apostle who God used, his shadow healed people. Yet Peter, the apostle, was under a local church. And he was not the head pastor. That really struck me. That really struck me. But we're going to get there. We said the role of the local church is number one. The local church is a place where believers grow and are established. The local church is a place where believers grow and they are established. The local church is a place where they are what? Established. Can you write believers grow established? Local church believers grow. All right, come to Colossians 2, the verse 6. He says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Where are you taught? Where are you taught? In the local church and are overflowing with thankfulness. Now look, he says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as he has been taught. You are taught in the local church. Praise God. You are taught in the local church. So it is through teaching that people are rooted and built up. He used two words. He used rooted and he used built up. They are two different words. He used architecture and agriculture. 
He used architecture and agriculture. In agriculture, he's rooted like a tree. In architecture, he used built up like a building. So, the local church is a place where believers are grounded and are rooted. Not just grounded and rooted, but rooted in him and established in the faith. So, the local church establishes believers in the faith and grounds them in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. Through teaching. Are you following this? A local church is a place where believers grow. It's a place where believers what? Grow. You cannot grow individually on your own. There is a reason why God did us. In Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 11. The Bible says he gave some to be apostles. And some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. What is the purpose? He says for the perfecting. Now the word perfecting is catatismos. Which means fully furnished. So he says the purpose of God giving ministry gifts is for the purpose of fully furnishing the saints for the work of ministry. I told you the reason why we are I'm doing ministry is for ministry. The end ministry is ministry. We administer the ministry to raise ministers. Today, church is more like people coming to attend services. When we close, they go home and they continue what they are doing. No! The purpose of you being taught in church is so that you become a teacher. The purpose of you being ministered in church is so that you become a minister of the gospel. It says for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. So the goal of every church is to make each and every individual believer a minister of the gospel. Now, now you must understand that there's a difference between ministry gifts and the universal call of every believer. Every believer has been called to preach the gospel. You don't say, I'm supporting with my money. You are supposed to preach the gospel. You don't preach with your money. You must understand this. And let's get to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 17. You're going to see something that will shock you. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Next verse. He says, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And look, he has done what? And he had given to us the ministry of... Now, who is the ministry of reconciliation given to? To pastors? Who? To the saints. The verse 17 says, if any man be in Christ. So, any man in Christ has been given the ministry of reconciliation. What is that ministry? He says, and all things are of God. Now, come to the next verse. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. In other words, when God looks at any unbeliever, anybody in the world today, he does not look at him with a spectacle of sin. He does not count. The word count is logizomai, which means to account. God is not crediting or debiting any of his sins. Not just for the believer. This is not a reality for the believer. It's a reality for everyone in the world today. God is not counting their sins against them. And the Bible is saying, and he has committed. This is a commitment. 
unto us, every believer, the word or the message of reconciliation. So we have been given a ministry. The word ministry in Greek is diakonia. It means an attendant or a waitress. An attendant. If you go to a bar, if you go to a drinking spot, or you go to a restaurant, there is somebody that comes to you. She's called an attendant. And she asks you what you want. Now, have you seen a waitress who go to you and say that, today I feel like you should eat banku? Have you seen that before? She will ask you what you want and you do what he says. So the ministry is you are an attendant. And the ministry has a message. The message is what you present. The message of what? Reconciliation. So every believer has been committed the ministry and the message of reconciliation. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation and we have been committed with the message of reconciliation. So if anybody told you that he has not been called, he has told you a lie. Every believer has been called to do the work of ministry. Are you following what I'm saying? Every believer has been given the ministry of what? Reconciliation. And the message. What's the message? The gospel. Catching it? So we have been given a ministry and a message. Come back to Ephesians chapter 4. So, many think the work of ministry is supposed to be done by pastors. And they will just come here and go back home. It's a big lie. It's a what? It's a big lie. Apostles, prophets, pastors are ministry gifts. They are also believers. But they have been made gifts to you for the purpose of making you ministers. Are you getting this thing? So a church has an assignment of grounding believers in the truth. Rooting believers in the truth. They must know the truth. So it is not a ground where people are manipulated. It's a ground where people are taught the truth and they are taught to teach the truth. I'm helping someone here. So never feel for a second that you are not called. No, that's a lie. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the local church edifies the body. It strengthens the body. So, so, Belonging to a local church gives you the opportunity to be edified, to be built up. Not only perfected, but to be built up. Look at the next verse. Till we all, so the pastor himself and the entire pupils, he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, not knowledge of ancestral curses, not knowledge of spiritual marriage, not knowledge of your sins knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ until we all begin to function exactly like jesus if i give you the mic you do exactly what i do 
When I give you the mic, you do exactly what I do. When you go out there, you minister in that same capacity. That is God's plan. This is good. This is good. Glory. Making disciples of all nations. Making disciples. The word disciple there is not like a follower. You are moving like this. Is disciples, followers of Christ. No. The word disciple is from the Greek word matiates, which means a student or a pupil. So the day you got born again, you became a student. You became a pupil. Surprisingly, it is only in church that people don't want to learn. But the church is a school. Now listen to this thing. The church is a school. The church is a what? It's a school. Where teaching is administered, it's a school. What's the purpose of schooling? Education, teaching. So the church is first of all a school. I heard of a man of God who was a prophet. He held the microphone, was full of anointing. He says, Today shall I prophesy or I should choose, choose which one you want. Choose it, choose it. And the whole church said, Prophesy. Let me start. Woman, come out. I said, Look at this. Look at this. Should I prophesy or I should preach first? <laughs> come on. Come on. The church is a school. Tell someone the church is a school. You come to learn. Praise God. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, the verse 4, it says, God who wills that all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God does not want you just to be saved. He wants you to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. He wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. And how do you come to the knowledge of the truth? By being a part of a local church. Because the role of the local church is to teach. Are you following this thing? 2 Timothy 2.2 He says, and the things that thou hast heard of me. Now Paul is telling Timothy, he says, and the things that thou hast heard of me amongst many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So why do we teach you? We teach you to be established to teach others. That is how the kingdom expands. Are you following this thing? So God wants you to be a teacher in the banking hall. A teacher on the street. A teacher in the office. You must teach people. Praise God. Say I'm a teacher. Say I'm taught to teach. Come on, shout it. I'm taught to teach. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right. Number two. 
The local church is a place where there is mutual submission. The local church is a place where there is mutual submission. First Timothy, First Peter chapter 5, the verse 5. The local church is a place where there is mutual submission. He says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourself to the elder. He says, yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resisted the proud and give grace to the humble. Now, there is a place for submission. We see that in Ephesians chapter 5, the verse 21. Ephesians 5, the verse 21. He says, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. The fear of God there is a reverential fear, not uh, fear, fear. Reven reverential fear. It's, it's like a fear out of respect and honor. He says, submitting yourselves to one another. So the local church is a place where there is mutual submission. Where the pastor himself submits to the church and the church submits to leadership. It's a place of mutual um, um, submission where even the church itself submits to each other. Which means nobody is big in the church. Nobody is older in the church. No. There's a place where, where Paul had admonished Timothy to give respect to elderly men. But it's a, a place. But you see, the church is a place where there is mutual submission. We submit to each other. In a case, you can be someone's boss in church, but if you are all attending the same services, you submit when you meet in church. Is someone getting this? There is mutual submission. Nobody is bigger than anybody. Nobody is higher than anybody. Nobody's richer than anybody. You see the rich seven. You see the poor seven. You see the older seven. You see the younger seven. We serve one another. Praise God. You see an old man serving communion to people. That's submission. Praise God. So it's a place where there is mutual submission. Where age is not a factor, we all submit to each other. If you realize somebody has understood something better than you, you don't say he's not the pastor, so I won't ask him questions. Go and submit. Ask him questions. How did you get this? Uh, as pastor was preaching, do you understand it? Please explain to me. Don't feel too big. Submit to each other. Say submit to one another. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We submit to each other. Let's get some scriptures for you. Romans chapter 12, the verse 9. He says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Next verse. He says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in, in honor, preferring one another. We honor one another by preferring one another. We see each other as the best. You don't see yourself as the best. You see someone else as the best. He says you're also the best. It's like it's a mutual submission. Nobody feels he's higher than anybody. Nobody feels he's more qualified than anybody. We give each one and each person a mutual submission. If you know this is not your area, don't try to force yourself. Leave it for someone who can do it. That's mutual submission. Praise God. You can be able to manage people in your company, but you cannot manage a single soul in the church. Submit to one, one, someone who can do it. There are people who are managers or, or managers in their office. But so in church, they feel people should address them as managers. It's wrong. You must submit to each other. Praise God. 
The usher says, okay, please sit here. You look at the usher's face and you know you are older. You know you are better. You, you know the quality of your life is much higher than him. He says, me, sit here. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. We submit to each other. You don't say this usher, how can he tell me where to sit? How can he tell me what to say? You know who, who, who you are fighting against? You are fighting against the head pastor himself, Jesus. Surprisingly, if you are looking for a job and you enter into the company and the woman who receives you says, sit here. You say, I'll sit here. Huh? Will you say, I'll sit here? You sit where they offer you, but in church, you said no. You, you see how believers think? It's wrong. You obey. The usher in a company because you are looking for a job. But not Jesus. The one Jesus put in place to do that job. You wait over there in the company for five hours. They have not attended to you. And by mistake, the CEO just comes and says, Oh, you are still here. Oh, I hope you are not bothered. No, it's not about that. No, no, no. No, it's okay, sir. I'm, I'm, I have the whole day here, sir. Please. Push it, sir. Anytime, sir. Anytime. We, we, we spend extra hours in church. You have a problem. Extra hours in church. You are, you are able to spend extra hours with a CEO. He says, oh no! Feel free, sir! Oh, wait! In fact, I'm a fool to go, sir. I'm a foolish man. Sir, go. Come anytime. I'm waiting for you, sir. Having been drawn to that, but this is how we treat Jesus spiritually. That's how we treat Jesus, the CEO of the church. I'm teaching good here. Anytime there's silence, I know I'm teaching good. Praise God. So you see, there are people who don't submit to each other because they said this guy is a small boy, he, he cannot be able to tell me wh- where I should go, what I should do. Listen, you miss this whole thing. Do you know that even the disciples were teenagers? Many of you don't know. The disciples of Jesus Christ, they were teenagers. They were teenagers. I'm telling you. You can go and do a research for yourself. They were all teenagers. Including Peter. Do you know Peter even was married, but he was a teenager? Those days, according to Jewish custom, for you to be qualified to to marry, you should be 18 years. So it is believed that even Peter himself was a teenager, yet he was married. He was around 18 years. Those days, it was believed that no student should be older than his master within the, within the regime they were in. And Jesus was 30. So all of them were younger than him. There was a point Jesus even called them little children. There was a time the mother of James and John came to beg Jesus that they should give him a throne. They were so childish that in their mind they thought Jesus' throne was a throne on earth. So his parents came to beg that tells you their age. They were still living with their parents. They were all teenagers. Yet Jesus trusted them with a message that would change the whole world. It's amazing. Why would Paul tell Timothy that let no one despise your youth? Because Timothy was a teenager when he was pastoring an entire church in Ephesus. He was a teenager. So people were looking down upon him. And Paul says, let no one despise your youth. That means, he says, preach, reproof, rebuke in authority. <laughs> so it takes boldness to be a pastor. 
Especially when the people you are pastoring are older than you. I'm telling you, you should be confident to do that. Are you following what I'm saying? He says, let no one despise you. So, most of the people God used, they were teenagers. So, age has got nothing to do with gospel. In fact, when you were a teenager, that, I think that's more, the, that's more of the qualification God needs. Praise God. So, you don't devalue anyone because of age. No, it is it's something that someone says, I'll not go to a church that, is, that I'm older than. So I told you, if he's 32, the church must be 60 years. I'll not go to a church where I'm older than the pastor. Continue. You go to some of these big churches, they are old men, 90 years old, and their head pastor is 40 years. How about that? So you see, these are barriers of the flesh that prevents people from growing in a local church. I'm teaching good here. Next verse. Preferring one another. Come to the verse 15. He says, rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Next verse, 16. He says, be of the same mind toward one another. He says, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low state. Be not wise in your own conceit. So anytime you are in church, don't think of high things, things that are too big for you. Don't think of people that, oh, this one, I am told that he is the minister of his town. Then you start looking at him with a certain high standard. And then a poor person pass, passes by you. But some of us have this way. Come on, this thing. He says, mind not high things. Don't be high in your mind. He says, but condescend to men of low estate. Listen, listen, listen. You know, sometimes there's a tendency to overlook some people that look poor in your eyes. There's a tendency. You can pass by them without regarding them. But let a man or a woman with perfume, which is more than the fragrance of alloy, pass by. Look at him. Wow, this perfume is expensive. He must be expensive. We miss the whole thing. So there are people today who are intimidated going to certain churches because of the standard that has been created. That has been created. The standard is so high. Because that place, they don't even mention one CD offering. I'm teaching good here. Listen, no matter the state of anybody, when you are in church, don't mind high things. It's unfortunate people go to church for the wrong reason. Can you imagine someone going to church for business contact? What nonsense is this? Where has the church be- what has the church become? If if you are part of the church and, and it happens that you should connect to other businessmen, that's a different story. But going to church because you have heard this church, millionaires are there, so you are going to connect. May your leg break on the way. Connection. Initially, when you go there, you are, you'll be connected. Oh, within three months, you'll be rich. Nonsense. We miss the role of the church. The, the number one role of the church is for teaching and building believers. 
Number two, we submit to each other irrespective of status. You see an usher cleaning the floor, yet when they close, he opens a Range Rover and sits in it. Hey! <laughs> you see a doctor who is taking care of patients in church, he's on the floor cleaning, cleaning the toilet. Submission to one another. We see people who have needs. We meet their needs. Listen, listen, listen. The church is not first of all a place where you come for your needs to be met. It's wrong. When you come to church, find someone's need and meet it. That's the blessing of ministry. When was the last time you took extra money apart from offering that today you are going to bless someone in the church? You are just coming to receive an amen, receive a blessing, and go. It's a wrong perception about church. There are people who are leaving their churches because their problems have not been solved. If you were in the early church, Apostle Paul would have insulted you. Because they were under heavy persecutions. And Paul would write epistles and tell them be encouraged. He didn't tell them, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm sending an angel of light to come and deliver you. He says, endure persecution." Endure. And, and, and one of the saddest things that I'm very bold to say is that people say we want seasonal messages. You hear any of them here? Seasonal messages. So, hurricane took place yesterday night, Sunday service. Every hurricane in your life. The inflation rate goes high. Sunday service. The Bible says God shall supply all your needs. So we preach seasonal messages to appeal to the needs of people. This is wrong. The church was not called to preach seasonal messages. We were called to preach the gospel. The message of the death, the burial, resurrection of people. Whether their lives get better or not is the same message we preach till Jesus comes. So this message does not favor anybody. Both the rich and the poor are hearing the same message. And they are being built up. They are growing gradually. Whether your business is working or not, same message. Whether you are giving birth or not, same message. Whether you are unemployed or not, same message. Because it is one message we have been given. We don't change our message to the cross when it is Easter. We don't change our message to suit church members because many of them are unemployed. Never. Same message. The finished work of Jesus Christ. It is, it is in this message they must be rooted and grounded in, in, in Him and established in the faith. Listen, if you have been going to church for three years and over and you cannot explain salvation, you are a disgrace to the body of Christ. And I'm serious about this. I don't regret what I'm saying. If you are a believer for more than three years, you cannot explain simple salvation. How a person can be born again. You are a disgrace to the body of Christ. You don't know simple scriptures on salvation. What else at all are you studying? If somebody should come to you today, to teach on salvation and you cannot teach it. There's a problem. I'm telling you there's a problem. And there should be a wake-up call starting from LGCC. 
where everybody understands the gospel equally. When you call this one to teach salvation, he can teach it. When we call this one to teach Holy Ghost experience, he will teach the Holy Ghost through the gospel and fill people with the Holy Ghost. This is the life you have been called to. God is not saying stop banking and do full time. He's saying start banking and understand the gospel and teach the bankers how Jesus died for them. That is the gospel. I'm telling you this. If you don't understand salvation till now, there is a problem. I'm telling you. You must feel embarrassed about it. That you are saved yet you don't know how. You are saved yet you don't know who saved you. You are saved yet you don't understand what he did to save you. What he went through to save you. You can't explain it. Why are you in it? When somebody sells a product to you, you want to understand the product before you receive it. And after you receive the product, you still read the manual about the product. Yet you don't read about what Jesus did for you. We have a problem. And it seems like it's not a problem, but it is a problem. That is why any message I told you here moves you. You are here today. They said, hey, if you see you are going to hell, you move here. You are saved forever. Hey, you move here. You are not established. So you are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Listen, you must be established. Don't joke with teaching. I'm telling you. Because the problem of the church today is the teaching problem. I tell people, why is that people are not rolling like cats and crocodiles here? It's because of teaching. Because what people keep hearing, they manifest it. Praise God. Say, Father, I'm a soul winner. I'm born again. And I'm coming to the revelation of the knowledge of Jesus Christ nothing will hinder me i'll put the gospel first place i'll give it priority in my life because it is all i have in jesus name praise god thank you holy spirit now come to the verse 15. oh romans chapter 12 the verse 15. come to 16. he says be of the same mind okay come to 17. He says, recompense no one evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Next verse. He says, if it be possible. Now, this scripture, you need to see this. He says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably or peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. You know, there are some people who don't care the grudge they'll go through. You know, there are people who don't care about the relationship loss. They don't care about it. So they are, they are okay releasing words that cause pain because they don't care who is hurt. It is wrong. It says if it is possible, live at peace with all men. Even those who offend you for the sake of peace, just live at peace if it is possible. Because Paul knew that it is possible, it is not possible. If it is possible, live at peace. Whatever will stir up grief, kill it, let it die. Just because of peace. Because if, it, if you are grudge with somebody, you cannot teach the person the gospel. Next verse. He says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. We have many believers who are avenging too much. 
He says, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Next verse. He says, therefore, if that, can you see this? If thy enemy hunger, what? Feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Listen, this is the Christian life. He says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water. What are you doing? You are heaping coals of fire upon his head. He'll be wondering in his mind, what is happening? What is, hey, is it poison he's giving me? Why is he showing me so much love upon all what I've done to him? He says, you are heaping coals of fire upon his head. Look at the next verse. He says, do not be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the Christian life. Listen, if anybody told you that character is not necessary in the body of Christ, you have missed the whole thing. Because your character can be gospel. If God, should, should, if God is looking at you today, will he find you as a living epistle or as a living epistle? Shooting everybody. Listen, how you live matters. And we're going to get there. That's the third point. Quickly, let's go to the third point. The role of the church. The role of the local church is a place. It's a place where there is spiritual accountability. The local church is a place where there is spiritual accountability. It's a place where there is spiritual accountability. Or the local church is a place where you are spiritually accountable. Now what's accountability? It simply means answerability. You must be being accountable means to be answerable. To be answerable. So the local church is a place where you are spiritually what? Accountable. So you must be accountable to your local church. What does it mean being accountable in a local church? Listen, we have explained that the church is what? A family. The church is what? The body of Christ. And the church is what? The bride of Christ. Somebody in church must know where you work. Somebody in church must know where you stay. You must not be a mystery to your brothers. Oh, yes. You must not be a mystery to your brothers. Somebody must know where you stay. That's accountability. Somebody must know where you work. Somebody must know the business you're doing. If there's trouble, your family will defend you. Are you following what I'm saying? So you must be answerable. You must be accountable. If you can't make it to church, call somebody in church and tell the person, you know, disappear and appear. You are not Jesus Christ. Before you realize, bah, you are gone. Your phone switch off. We can't find it. Meanwhile, you're in a bar. All of a sudden, six months, man son <laughs> Tell someone, Mansonable. What? Tell somebody must be spiritually accountable. So someone must be able to check up on you. How are you doing? I'm talking of a church you belong. So if you're a visitor here, don't think I'm. Uh, I wish you were a member here. 
Okay, I'm talking of those who are, I mean, committed members. So you must be accountable. As a committed member, you must be accountable. Somebody must have your number. Don't give wrong numbers. They call you this empty number you have dialed does not exist. You call 10 times. The 10th one, the number will say, if you call this number again, you receive slaps. <laughs> Praise God. Of course, someone is saying that if someone gives you a number, don't call at 11.30. I was checking up. How was your day? you are calling a girl how was your day I wanted to find out why it didn't come for 11.45 why night rider why (laughs) so you must apply wisdom okay good so listen one of the one of the greatest Heartfelt situations is the absence of a believer in the local church. Your absence is very serious. If you belong to a local church, your absence is felt. It is felt spiritually. You know, Minister Sam is not here. You can feel it. You can feel it. So you must be so accountable that your absence is spiritually recognized. Heaven knows that you didn't come to church. So that, that tells you that your presence in church is serious. Do you know your presence in church stirs up the pastor? Your presence in church stirs up the body, the, the body of believers. When they see you, they're excited. Praise God. It's all part of accountability. Tell somebody, I'm accountable to my local church. Praise God. So there are people today who are on Facebook who say that they don't go to church. Why? Because they are the church of God. My body is the temple, so I'll have church service in the house, pay offering and appreciation to myself, and I'll chop it myself. Continue, Jesus is waiting for you. I heard of a guy on Facebook who says that Jesus is his pastor. But there's no scripture in the Bible that says to submit to a local church. I laughed. I said, no. People don't get it. Jesus is your head pastor. So how is he seeing you? Does he visit you every night? Jesus is your head pastor. How? He says he gives some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors. How can Jesus be part of the gifts? The giver of the gift is not part of it. Pastoring you. You know, some of these things are very dangerous. It's, 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 it's very serious. When you are not accountable in a local church, you are missing spiritually. You are disconnected. I'm teaching good here. So accountability also involves your financial accountability. You know, there are some who come for service, listen to the word, clap their hands, pray, and they go back. No financial uh, uh, commitment. They don't have financial accountability to the ministry. Now, I, 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 I say this. Now, wherever you are fed, you sow into that place. You don't eat at KFC and go and pay at Chicken Licking. Is that possible? You give where you are fed. 
I'm teaching good here. You give where you are fed. So whatever ministry you are in and it is feeding you, you give in that place so that it can continue and expand the work. You must commit your money in church. I'm telling you. Say, I will commit my money to my church. You know, sometimes people find it difficult to preach it, but I told myself, Father, give me boldness to preach. And by the grace of God, that boldness has been given to me. <laughs> you must give your money to your church. Someone says, I won't give, I won't give my hard-end money. Eat it yourself. Eat it. Hard-end. Eat. My, the money I suffered to have. So you give offering two cities. Your salary is 2000 Okay. That's fine. Pastor, what will happen to me? Nothing, no. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing will happen to you. Nothing. Oh, I'm serious. Nothing will happen to you. But in eternity, something will happen to you. <laughs> I'm telling you. Praise God. So you must be financially accountable. Now we have said that in the ministry, we have our normal offerings. We have our um, what? Project offering. And then we have appreciation gift. Now it is through the appreciation gift you're able to do some stuff in the ministry. Buying of things in the ministry. Saving and preparing for a land in the ministry. Now you, you must be committed to it. If you're in a local church, your finances must be committed there. Praise God. Tell somebody you must be committed you, with your presence and your present. <laughs> now it's very key. You know, because sometimes people think that, okay, we don't, we must not talk about money. Paul raised funds from other churches to help other churches. And he was bold to say it. Do you know what you are missing when you don't give in church? You know what you are missing when you don't give in church? You are missing so much. I'm telling you. You are missing so much. I told God, God, continue to make me the highest giver in this ministry. Continue to make me the highest giver in this ministry. And I'll forever be the highest giver in this ministry. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, the, the glory and 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 beauty of giving is just amazing. I told you if God can get it through you, He will always get it to you. All right. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Number four. This one is very hard, but I'll say it. The local church is a place where you are disciplined. The local church is a place where discipline is administered. Now, we are teaching on uh, obedience to spiritual authority. I told you, uh, sound doctrine must be endured. It must not be enjoyed. Number two, you must understand that the work of a pastor is not just to encourage you. The work of a pastor is also to reprove, to rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and patience. So it's part of my job. I'm not an MC. I'm a pastor. I'm not a radio presenter. I'm an actor. Hey. <laughs> Glory! 
I'm a pastor. I'm not an ice cream seller. Lollipop. Then all the children are gathering. And I share it like this. That's why I make everybody happy. And that's the difficult part of pastoring. Because there are some things you have to say it as it is. You know, sometimes, let me tell you one thing. Sometimes when I prepare the notes and I see something, I say, then I cancel it. Because <laughs> I'm scared. And I cancel it. I say, Lord, how would they take this thing? They know I'm a great preacher. What if they say I'm compromising? I say, and God says, son, if, if you cannot teach the truth as it is, you are not my pastor. I say, Lord, give me grace. And by the grace of God, I have the grace. <laughs> So, the local church is a place where discipline is administered. Now, this is a place that people have missed. People have misunderstood it and people have abused it. There are churches where they will call you in front. The whole church will look at you. They will say your sin. <laughs> the sin that you have committed. They will say it to the entire church. So, when you are walking, everybody knows the sins on your head. And they will suspend you for six months. And they will, you won't take offering. You won't bring offering. Why? <laughs> you won't pay tight. They won't take it because all your offerings are dirty for six months. No, that, that's not church. Praise God. I know of a pastor when he disciplines a church member and he suspends the church member, he visits the member every day to the time he's restored. And I was so blessed hearing that. He will visit you every day, pray with you. He was the one who suspended you. Yet you visit you every day. So that, you see, discipline ministered in church is supposed not to punish the person. It's supposed to show love to the person that we don't want you to go into the deep and the ditch. That is why we are doing this. So the local church has the authority to discipline believers who fall out of place or who are disobedient to the word. And I'm going to give you many scriptures about it. You know, listen, there's a reason why God put discipline in the local church. Because if it is not administered, people will do what they want in the church and the church will be spiritually disorganized. Praise God. Now, like we said, the local church is responsible for disciplining disobedient Christians. And this is a very difficult task. And it must be done in love. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, this is serious. The apostle of grace... The apostle of grace. Now this is where, uh, where the situation is. People think that when you are preaching grace, it means you don't say anything that contradicts the love of God. That's wrong. That's imbalance in the scriptures. So there are grace preachers who don't preach Galatians 5.19, the works of the flesh. Now you can still preach it in grace. Are you following what I'm saying? There are some who don't teach certain scary things Paul wrote in the scriptures. Why should we be afraid? If you believe in your message, don't be afraid. Teach it as it is. This is the apostle of grace. Talk it up. So, the one we all preach grace from, this is his words. He says, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication is as not much as named among Gentiles. He's saying that this fornication I had, this particular one, not even Gentiles will even dare do it. And said that one should have his father's wife. This guy was sleeping with his stepmother in church. Next verse. And look, and ye are puffed up. The guy was proud of it and was coming for church. And have not rather mourned. He was not sorrowful about it. 
Are you seeing it? And that he had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Next verse. Look. For I verily as absent in body but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that had done this deed. Next verse. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look. He says to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey! Now what does this mean? The apostle of grace. He says this guy who is so proud about sleeping with his stepmother and he has been warned several times and he's not mourning. He says, you know something? Deliver this guy's flesh to Satan for the destruction of what? His flesh that his spirit might be. Do you see that even in the midst of this he did not lose his salvation? Now, you see, when you understand salvation you know that it cannot be lost. Because the one who gave it to you, gave it to you eternally as a gift. And the gift and callings of God are without repentance. Now, this is the love of God. Someone says, no man of God, I don't agree with you. You can lose it. Okay, fine, lose it. It's okay. But as far as God is concerned, the believer who is in Christ cannot come out of Christ. He's sealed in Christ. Jesus gives us eternal salvation. And you must be established in this fact. This guy was sleeping with a stepmother. He heard Paul says that deliver his flesh, this body, to Satan for the destruction of his body that his spirit may be saved. So this guy, irrespective of his actions, he is still saved. And when we are preaching this, we are not giving people license to sin. In fact, eternal salvation is one of the, is one of the basics of Christianity. So if you fight it, what can you learn? Can you imagine? He says that his spirit may be saved. I told you there's a difference between salvation and rewards. Salvation is a gift. Rewards is work. So you are saved by grace. You are rewarded by works. So when you are saved, irrespective of your actions, God saves you. But you must work for reward. So if you live a disgraceful life on earth, you will not be rewarded. You will be in heaven as a foolish virgin and a defeated believer. But you will be in heaven. I told you, some of you, your being in heaven is only going to be a mere escape. You'll be there, shoom, say, ha, I'm here. <laughs> and by the time you appear, all the saints are just watching you like this. And you'll be watching them. Ah, won't you tell me where I'll be? Master, you know where you're supposed to be. <laughs> and there are some, when they, see, there are some when they die. They, how they lived life, the souls they saved, the kind of sins they avoided, all the things they did for God's glory. When they enter heaven, there's a police escort, angels, and they're holding like this. And then Apostle Paul and the rest will rise up on their feet and do like this. <laughs> and they'll enter in heaven in glory. Some of you escape. Escape. You just enter. Shoo! I explained that in 1 Corinthians 3. You can go and read it. 3 verse 11 to 18. You, you'll be saved. But you enter heaven with nothing. Are you seeing that? <laughs> so, now what does it mean to deliver someone's flesh to Satan? Now, it's, it's a figurative language. What he's saying is that remove the covering of the church over his life. 
remove his spiritual the spiritual covering of the church over him now someone like this who is proud sinning and he's happy not remorseful about it and he's being taught he's being advised he's been admonished and he's still doing it the best thing you can do is to remove the church covering over him now when you remove the spiritual covering of a church over a man he's he's like a vagabond Anything can happen to him. Car can knock him down. Anything can happen to him. Satan can just... Do you remember the book of Job? When God removed the covering over Job? You see what the devil did? The same thing is going to happen to this man. And look at He said his spirit will still be saved. But his flesh will be delivered. So Satan will discipline the guy. <laughs> knock out. <laughs> Anything will happen to him. A demon comes. Another one. Calvin is taking. And God allows that. God allows that. Now that even should tell you that even apart from our protection in Christ, there is a spiritual covering when you are in the church. Unfortunately, it has been abused. It is true, but it has been abused. So the church in itself is a spiritual covering. And I, I can give you an example. There was a time one of our members was under very serious demonic attack. I was called at 2 a.m. and this guy could not walk. His leg had locked and his, he was dying eventually. I prayed for this guy and declared. Every declaration I've done here, I did it. I said, lay hands. Say after me. He said it. At a point, I prayed, release the power. I said, at the same, the pastor, I said, Sakura, I said, see how I'm I said, this guy is disgracing me on the phone. What's happening here? He said, Pastor, I said, Sakura. That means that the prayer has made it worse. And I said, okay. I called one of the pastors who was close by him. I said, take him to the hospital. I said, see, I see, I heard him. Take him. And he was on his way going. And I was sitting on my chair, speaking in tongues. And I started remembering, I said, God, I'm his pastor. And you told me that they are a flock that you have committed to me. And I'm pastoring them. I'm the one feeding them. And David, when a lion wanted to kill the, 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 the sheep, David killed the lion and the bear. God, I'm his shepherd. Why should this happen? And God says, take authority. And I took authority. I said, in the name of Jesus, by my authority as the head pastor and his shepherd, I deliver this guy's soul from death. And I declare he will not die. Less than five minutes, they called me. The guy was okay. And they, put, they brought him back from the taxi to the house. He's walking to today. He's walking to today. So, I said, what? To be frank with you, it changed a lot of things. I once, I once fought that over. I said, no, 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 no. no. The believer, the church is not a spiritual covering. The believer himself is a covering over himself. It changed my mind. I'm telling you. The church itself is a covering. Praise God. The church, belonging to a church is belonging to a covering. There's an anointing that operates and functions in the church. That is how come there are different responses in every church you go. There is a covering for every church. That keeps a believer. So, you see, some of you don't even pray, right? Some of you don't even fast, right? Some of you don't even study the word. But you realize that things are going smoothly. It is our prayers working for you. Because from Monday to Sunday, from Sunday to Sunday, I'm always praying for the church. 
I'm saying, God, I declare none of them will die this year. Lord, in Jesus' name, but authority vested in me as a head pastor, I declare you prosper them. None will remain unemployed. I've been praying every day, hours. So the church itself is a covering. So he's saying, deliver this guy to Satan. In other words, remove the covering. So he becomes a spiritual vagabond because of what he's doing. Because he's bringing dishonor to the body of Christ. Because this sin he's committed, even unbelievers will not do it. Now come to Matthew. Let's see some more there. Matthew 18, the verse 15. So that we understand spiritual discipline. Okay, or church discipline. He says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. That's the first step. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Next verse. He says, But if he will not hear, then Take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So the first one is see him one on one. The second one is that take two or three witnesses and give him that same advice and warn him. Number three. He says, and if you shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. That's church authority. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be to thee as a hidden man and a publican. That means when he doesn't hear on these three levels, treat him as a Gentile. Treat him as an unbeliever because he's behaving as such. Yet, he's a believer. Are you seeing this for yourself? You know, this is, this is a difficult aspect of, out of it. It's so difficult because in the church, we have groups of people who are close to each other. If one is punished, you see other people visiting and say, don't mind him. You see, that's the problem. Don't mind the pastor. No, we will still support you. You see, you are rather destroying the person. So you see, because of cliques in ministries, when one person is being dealt with for the whole body to benefit, then you see the same people will destroy it. And they'll say, don't worry, we'll still visit you every day. We'll still love you. If the pastor does not love you, we'll still love you. <laughs> love of my soul, keep loving. You see, it must, like, like I said, it must be done in love, not in condemnation. Because discipline is not for punishment. Discipline is not for vengeance. Discipline is for transformation. So, when you, so let me give you some examples. And uh, Okay, so let's take number one. Those who work disorderly, um, number one, those who, those who are, to, are to be disciplined, those who work disorderly, 2 Thessalonians chapter 6, chapter 3, verse 6. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. Look, he says, now we command you. Now, this was an instruction from the apostle of grace. He says, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye redraw, redraw yourselves from every brother. This is someone in Christ. That walketh disorderly. That means his life is not straight. And not after the traditions you have received from us. That means the teachings you have received. If you see a brother going contrary and he's okay with it, he says, withdraw. Do you know we can, you can withdraw from somebody and still be close to him? You know, there are some people who always be talking about pastors. There are people who always be talking about believers. Now, do you know how you withdraw? He say, they say, have you seen what this guy is doing? Don't worry, it's okay. He say, ah, no, this guy, yeah, he doesn't do this on the way. Okay, it is well. You have redrawn him. He says, Ah, but why is that the pastors here? They, they are doing nothing. It is well. Ah, I don't like the way Pastor Skabar has been doing his things. Why? Are we small boys here? It is well. Will he continue talking? 
No, will it continue? He can't. He goes to another believer. Why is it that this member is doing? He says, it is well. Why is it that people? It is well. Why don't we are closing? It is well. He doesn't have anywhere to go. You know what he will do? He will comply. He says withdraw. So, see, some of these things are done to straighten people. Because, do you know one person can break a whole church? Are you aware? It's a very serious matter. One person can break a whole church. So he says, withdraw. In your heart, you have withdrawn. You don't contribute. Because this is, I told you, anything that builds the church, do what? Build it. Anything that kills the church, do what? Kill it. Praise God. Next verse. Look. He says, for yourselves, know how ye ought to follow us. For we have behaved not ourselves disorderly amongst you. Look at the next verse. I'm at five minutes, I'm done. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and, and traveled day and night, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Uh-huh. He says, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow. Uh-huh. For even when we were with you, this we command, that if any will not work, neither should he eat. Mm. For we hear that there are some which work amongst you disorderly, working not at all, but are what? Busy bodies. So this is where busy body came from. Busy body. Eh? <laughs> the verse 12. Now, them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? That with that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Next group of people, they are called those who are disobedient to the epistles. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, the verse 14. Come to the verse 14. He says, If, if any man, this apostle of grace, obey not our word by his epistles, not that man, and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. So why do we do that? We don't have to punish them. We do that so they feel uncomfortable and ashamed. Then we'll be called to order. Praise the Lord. The verse 15. Yet, look, look. Yet do what? Count him not as what? An enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Do it in a loving way. Next group of people. Those fornicators, covetous, idolaters, Drunkards and extortioners. First Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 9 to 12. Quickly. Look, he says, I wrote to you in an epistle not to company with what? Fornicators. Uh-huh. And Paul explained himself well. He says, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world. In other words, if you're even going to preach the gospel and you know the person is a fornicator, he's not saying that you should also withdraw yourself from him because he's not born again. You must preach the gospel to him. Praise God. He says, all with the covetous. So he's telling you, a fornicator is one who decides that this week, I'll fire. <laughs> Next week, he has targeted three. Pa, 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 pa. Then he'll be discussing with you, ah, I'll fire, I'll kill him, i clear. That's a fornicator. He calculates how he's going to get the women, how he will put their back on the bed, and the styles he's going to demonstrate. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, with the covetous, those who are greedy, 
They want everything. Every shoe they like. Every shoe they like. Every motorbike they like. Every car they like. And they'll do anything to get it. Unless they don't see another believer with something new. He says, this too, me too, I want them. And they'll do everything for it. He says, you are covetous. Now, he says with extortionists. There are people who are in church who are extortionists. They are dupes. He says, be careful. Now, this is a very serious matter because it has been broken churches before. There was somebody who joined and you know what he was doing? He would ask this one for money, ask you for money, ask you for money, ask you for money. He was asking some rich man for money and the rich man left the church. Fabricated story. Brother, I was just coming from prison. <laughs> I was just coming from prison. Another body says, Oh, I was just sacked from work. Oh, that's why you see me. This is not my state. Oh, I've been rich before. I've been rich before. But if you help me, I'll be very glad. I beg you with the mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then another person, hmm. brother, I know the Lord is faithful, He'll take care of me, but I'm struggling. Very emotional. Be careful. He says, be careful. He says, and with idolaters, those who convince you, maybe your money got missing on campus. And the money was like 5,000 Ghana cities. You are looking for the money. You can't find it. He said, Charlie, I know some Baba somewhere. He said, Baba, Charlie, let's go. It was here. Christian. Let's go. Then you follow 5,000 Ghana cities. You follow another believer or even unbeliever to the shrine. You know believers do that. You'll be surprised. Look, he says, for them must needs go out of the world. Next verse. He says, but now I've written to you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner with such. He says, do not what? If he eat. Next verse. For what am I to do to judge them also that are without? Do you not judge them that are within? Uh huh. Okay, so he left the rest. He says this one is talking about judging the world. So even with discipline, there's a way we handle believers who fall out of place. You know why? When you do that, you are protecting yourself. You are protecting yourself. Because listen, greedy people can infest you with greed. People who talk about people can infest you with people who talk about people. Before you realize, you don't plan it. You start talking about people. And guess what? The people who talk about people, you are the next in line. I am next in line for a concert. <laughs> I'm telling you. So the more you engage in that environment, it spreads over your life. It's contagious. So Paul is warning. And see, don't, don't assume. Sometimes, listen, sometimes if you, if you love people in the flesh, you destroy your life. Oh, we are all brothers. We all love one another. You must be careful. Love must be in discernment. Paul says, let your love be in discernment. I'm teaching good here. Some of these messages are not exciting, but we have to preach it as, as it is. So we have closed. We are going to continue next week. How many are blessed? 